Yes. Terry Pratchett, the famous satirical fiction writer, once wrote in one of his books, one of his characters said, sure, the pen could be mightier than the sword if the sword was really short and the pen was really sharp. It's a joke about how we as human beings naturally incline to um, showing our authority and power through force. We have to exert our authority through a show of force, through, through strength. In today's world, um, words carry more weight in the age of information, right? There's a reason why you study for 10 years so you can put the word PhD after your name. So that when you speak on your specific subject, people listen to you. <laughs> Is that not true? In the times of emperors and kings, especially emperors, whenever the emperor spoke, there was someone that wrote down every word that the emperor would speak. Because what he said was law. It was called an edict. When the emperor said something, it became law, and it was written down and distributed by messengers to all the parts of the empire. This is what the emperor said. It is now law. So words do carry enormous strength, enormous consequence if it's spoken by someone with the authority to speak them. We're in Luke chapter 4, near the end. So you can turn to your Bibles or follow along. I'll be reading um, here as well from verse 31. Jesus performs a series of miracles in the span of about 24 hours or a day and a half, more or less. A day in the life of Jesus. But what's so special about these miracles is not the miracles at all, but that The miracles show the authority of the message. And he did share a message. And the power and the authority of his words within the miracles are placed side by side with the power and the authority with which he shares the message. And so we're going to look uh, from verse 31, and we'll read it in sections. And we'll jump right into it. How does this message apply to us today? And what can we learn more about the, the messenger and his power and authority? All right. 
verse 31. And he went down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and was teaching them on the Sabbaths. They were astonished at his teachings, for his words was with authority. Let's pray before we carry on. Lord, please be with us now as we learn from this passage, as we look at the consequences and the and the the authority of the words that you have spoken in your word to us today in our lives here. Amen. <clears throat> okay. So <clears throat> he does three things. Before we uh, read further, to rebuke something is to warn to sternly reprimand, to forbid, to censor, to point out wrong. Um, and there are three things that Jesus, using his words, he rebukes. Okay, firstly, he rebukes a man possessed, uh, a demon that is possessing a man in the synagogue. Secondly, he rebukes a sickness, a fever that has um, overtaken his, Peter's mother-in-law. And thirdly, and we continue this a little bit into Matthew, we'll get to that, but he rebukes a storm, a raging storm to calm. He rebukes these three things. And here's a bit of uh, exegesis, a bit of Bible interpretation um, uh, fact here for you. If you see a lot of repeated words or phrases in the same sequence of events, it usually means that these words are connected to the point of the passage. Okay, why is this passage in the Bible? What is it trying to tell me? about Jesus or about God. We call it the, the theology <laughs> of the passage. So as we read, follow along with me and try to look for these repeated words. Teaching, authority, rebuke, preaching, message. Or similar phrases. Okay. Here we go. In the synagogue, there was a man who had the spirit of an unclean demon, and he cried out with a loud voice, Leave us alone! What have you to do with us? Jesus of Nazareth, have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Jesus rebuked him saying, be silent, come out of him. When the demon had thrown him down, the man down <clears throat> in their midst, he came out of him and did not hurt him. They were all amazed and said amongst themselves, what a word this is. 
For with authority and power, he commands the unclean spirits, and they came out. And his fame went out every place in the surrounding countryside. So, to stay on focus, because there's a lot we can extrapolate from a passage like this, but to stay on focus, that he, the preface is that he was teaching every Sunday in the synagogues. He was teaching, teaching, teaching. And they noted the, the authority in which he spoke. He spoke in a way that indicated that he wasn't just repeating the same thing over and over, kind of what they were used to, but he spoke like with someone that has a PhD. <laughs> he spoke with authority. And they noted this. And then on one of these Sundays, <clears throat> with the words, because you can't rebuke, you know, he spoke that even the invisible world, the unseen things that um, are around us and out there, he commands, he has authority over not only what we see, but also what we don't see, the part of creation that is beyond our senses. <clears throat> His authority over even the enemy that they were crying and screaming, and um, that's what uh, the verse is implying. <laughs> he was able to stop them from speaking. Don't tell them who I am. Be silent and come out. And, and they had to obey, even though they were, it, was, it was a demon. He could not deny the authority and the power of the Son of God, he, he could not challenge it or resist it. So such great authority in that first verse, in that first section. And it goes on, okay? Then he rebukes a fever. Um, and it said, and he went out of the synagogue, so immediately after he entered Simon's house, Peter, he's still called Simon here. Now Simon's mother-in-law, his wife's mother, was taken ill with a high fever, and they asked him about her. So he stood over her, and it says he rebuked the fever, and it left her, and immediately she rose and served them. The other Gospels records this as well. One of them mentions that he lift, that he helped her out of the bed, but here it says that he used his words 
to tell the fever to leave. Now, I'm not a doctor, right? But according to my knowledge, that's not how medicine works. <laughs> he did something very unique here. Do you see the anthropomorphic language? In other words, we give human characteristics to things that are not human. He basically said, you uh, bad fever, get out of here. And the fever went, okay, I'm sorry, I'll just, uh, I'll just leave, you know? Or the fever hopped out the window. That's what it's saying. And we know the Bible doesn't use words by coincidence or chance. There was no recovery period or get some bed rest so that the rebuke can, you know, start taking effect. She got up and she was fine. <clears throat> it shows us that Jesus had authority over the physical world, over our human biology, over uh, natural living things, over, um, over disease. He had authority over them. He didn't have a magic spell that, that cures things. He, he healed because he had authority to do so. And it goes on to say that these two incidents, the Bible records that these were not once-off things, that these were not um, just an elaborate illusion set up once-off to try and trick people. <laughs> it said that uh, in verse 40, now when the sun was setting, all those who rose had anyone six sick with various diseases brought them to him and he laid hands on them and every one of them was healed regardless of who they were regardless of the disease regardless of um, any other factor whether they believed or not whether they were faithful or not whether they were sinners or not he healed them Imagine if the people that claim to be able to do this today, the Benny Hins of the world, walks into Whitbank Hospital and heals every single person in the hospital, clears out the entire hospital, everyone walks home. We don't see that. We don't see that today <clears throat> but yet we hear these 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 strange prayers that uh, where people pray and they say be gone demon of covid or, or whatever and they they get it from passages like these right i'm just making a little side note on this just to address this because i've heard it 
And this is not what the Bible is saying. The Bible is pointing us to the authority of Christ. He rebukes the storm. So before we, we finish our passage here in Luke, in Matthew it notes that he immediately got onto a boat. And that boat was hit by a storm. Now, I did want to add this because the passage in Matthew records all of these things and it records the, the boat as well. Okay, um, so it's, if this was a movie, it would be the extended cut, okay? It's a little bit extra, but I do want to add it just to show you. So in Matthew 8, verse 23, it says, When he was entered into a ship, his disciples followed him, and still keep in mind the repeated words there, and behold, there arose a great tempest in the sea, insomuch that the ship was covered with waves, but he was asleep. And his disciples came to him and woke him, saying, Lord, save us, we perish. And he saith unto them, Why are you fearful, O you of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea. And there was a great calm. So he stood at, up in the boat. Maybe he didn't even have to stand. And he said, stop it. <laughs> but the men marveled, saying, what manner of man is this, that even the winds and the sea obey him? that he has authority over creation, the, 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 the larger uncontrollable aspects of creation that we as human beings can't even begin to harness. Uh, we have only in the, recently understood it on a molecular and scientific level, how storms are created and, and, and um, air pressure and and currents, and it's a sunny day outside. You know, that's, that's not by coincidence. It's... So that Jesus even has authority over the natural realm, over all of creation that extends far beyond um, what is in our power to control. We could still try and... Uh, and they did heal people. They still tried to exercise demons out of people, though very unsuccessfully, we read later on. <clears throat> um, but who would try and stop a storm? <laughs> Let's finish in Luke. 
when he had departed to a remote place. And searching for him, the people came to him and tried to prevent him from leaving. <clears throat> no, don't go. Keep on performing miracles. They had their eyes on the, on the wrong thing. Stay with us and continue to heal us. And, and he said, I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also, for this is why I was sent. I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also, for this is why I was sent. He wasn't sent to perform miracles. He wasn't sent to ab abolish poverty. He wasn't sent to, um, to, to heal. He did those things to show the authority of the message. That's why he did miracles. purpose was never on the miracles. The purpose was always on, now listen to what I'm about to tell you. And so many times today, we want the miracles, don't we? But we are unwilling to hear what Jesus has to say. And it comes then down to, what is the kingdom of God? What did he come to tell us? In the book of Isaiah, there is a story to a destroyed Israel. The, the city um, is blown up, it's rubble, and there's a few people left in the city. And it talks about a messenger, okay? This is, this is Isaiah speaking. It's not events that happened. It's, it's a, um, a story he's telling. Uh, running to deliver a message to those left in the city. And the messenger comes to the city and he says, I have some good news to tell you. And Isaiah says, beautiful are the feet that carries the good news. We're told in the New Testament that he was speaking about the gospel, the gospel of the kingdom, because the message that that messenger had was a king is coming, and he will set things right, and he will restore us, and, and he will claim his throne. Louis preached last week, the reigning king. And he says, when we read things like Revelations and, and other books like that, the hope isn't that we might be spared from some kind of tribulation. The hope is that the king is coming. <laughs> that he is going to set things right. That, that our focus, our hope, when we read Revelation is that Christ has victory. That's where we hope in, in Him. Regardless 
So this kingdom message, this, this good news of a coming king, well, that's what we're reading now. It started in chapter 1, <clears throat> uh, prophesying this, this, this coming, this idea of anticipation, and people are waiting for the king to come. And then in chapter 2, his birth and his uh, temptation, and we read about his lineage, that yes, he's descendant from the, the, this line of kings, and he's here. And now we read that not only is he king, but he has authority with him over all these things. And we're learning about Jesus. If we were in the first century and we're reading the book of Luke for the first time, we're starting at chapter 1 and we're building our idea of who Christ is for the first time. It's no coincidence that this is said because he's going to teach us many things throughout the book, throughout the gospel about the kingdom, about himself, in word and in deed. When was he coronated as king? When did he come? He, he did come as king, but it's a different kingdom, right? It doesn't look like the traditional kingdom where authority is shown through force. And that's what people expected of the Messiah. They put a crown on his head. Remember, they exalted him, not on a throne, but on the cross. It even said, King of the Jews, on above his head. Like a coronation. <laughs> a kingdom is anywhere where the people recognize and submit to the authority of the king. That's what a kingdom is. And that is what Jesus came to teach. So, as believers here this morning, Do we recognize Jesus' authority that even the physical laws of our universe bend and obey his word, yet we in our hardened hearts are so resistant to it. We're so rebellious against his edicts, the things that he that he says for our own good, we're so resistant to it, we're so challenged by it, and disgusted by it, and appalled by it, and we reject it when everything else obeys him. To remember the authority of Jesus and of his words. He spoke creation into existence. 
Did you know that the sun, I said it's a sunny day, encompasses 98% of the mass of our solar system? All the, the matter in our entire solar system, 98% of it is the sun. I can't, I can't imagine that, but, but it's not a coincidence to God how the physical laws of, of nature and, and, and um, thermals and things work together to make a sunny day. Well, he spoke creation into existence, if you... And then he said that I will send my word. Christ is the very word of God. And we have his teachings and his deeds recorded in this book. And the point is, that we need to consider that authority more seriously. As we learn and continue to learn about Jesus and more specifically the things that he teaches. All right. And if you don't know Jesus Christ, if you don't, if you haven't repented of your sins and turned to God and, and placed your faith in Him for the salvation of your soul. Doug was teaching that we are pilgrims in this world. We're, we're citizens of heaven. We are citizens of this kingdom. It requires us to understand what happened at the cross, who Jesus Christ is that he could die for our sins on the cross and be raised again. If you don't know about that, please come and speak to me or any one of believers here we, we can share the gospel with you the good news the gospel of the kingdom let's pray dear lord we thank you for this time for this sunday where we can refocus our efforts on considering with more gravity the words that, that we read in Scripture because of your authority. It's not empty words. It's not just ideals, but it's words spoken by our King, by our Creator. We thank you for this reminder, and we thank you for your goodness and your grace in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.